0: Welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show we have Nancy Duarte, who is the author of six best selling books and the CEO of Duarte Inc. Nancy's work has been featured in Fortune, Time Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, and in The New York Times. Her TED Talk has over 3 million views. Thanks so much for joining us today, Nancy.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun.
0: I'm looking forward to it. So I want to start with a recent piece you wrote that described how effective leaders can broaden their influence by adapting how they listen. Can you share with our audience what you meant by adapting how you listen?
1: Yeah, I love that. So there's so much research and... you know, published works about listening. And it's usually all about like active listening and everyone should be active listeners. You should make the person feel like you should look like you're listening, even if you're not right. Lean in, you know, react, listen well. And part of it is, is don't be forming judgments in your head where we have built a course. And then there's going to be a book coming out in the fall that you need to build on that. So we put into the genre of how to be a great listener building kind of on active listening, that how you react while you're listening, how you're responding while you're listening is also an active listening. So what happens is we're all kind of born with a default listening style. We have a default. There's like a natural way we just listen because we that's how we listen. Well, the person who wants you to listen to them might not want how you're hardwired to listen, they may want something else from you. So an example would be, I came back from 10 days of vacation. I'm meeting with my different execs to get caught up and they want me to just support them. They just want to hear a good job. But I'm, oh, what did you think of this? Do you think of that? Did you, you know, and I'm trying to like discern and I'm trying to help them advance what they're trying to do. And if I hadn't taken this course, I wouldn't have caught myself. Like I would not have caught the fact that I am not actually showing up the way they need me to be showing up right now. So the acronym of the different types of listening styles spells the word said S-A-I-D. So it's support advance, immerse, or discern. And each of us is kind of born with just one of those as our primary. And what you need to do is understand there are four ways people want you to listen. And it can, we can't teach you to really figure out what it is that the other person wants from you and then you adapt yourself to that. There's an assessment that we have. And I think you mentioned we might be able to put it in the show notes so people will be able to test themselves to see what their default is.
0: That's really interesting. I love asking the question of kind of a, is there a defining moment in getting you to the place that you are today. And I talked in the intro about the work that you've done, the books that you've written, had a very accomplished career. When you look back, do you have a defining moment that kind of got you to figure out that this is what you wanted to do with your career?
1: You know, people ask me like, oh, did you always know you wanted to be, you know, the presentation lady? (laughs) You know what? My husband and I, we raised our kids this way too, as we felt like If you follow every day you wake up and you're faced with decisions and you make decisions based on your passion and what makes you feel peace, then you'll find your destiny. So I think I always was a natural speaker, but I never was very good at having content that matched what the audience needed to hear. So all of my body of work. So my mom was a kind of a clinical narcissist and they're missing the empathy gene and they don't have it. So that was never really modeled for me. So I remember being in speech communication. I dropped out of my first year of college because I, I got a C minus in speech communication. And it, I had great visual age, as you could imagine. I was like, oh my God, how I did my visual age was amazing. But I brought content that wasn't really like, why would a college kid care about that? Like, why are you presenting this information? You know, so I got weak scores on really understanding the audience and understanding what they need. And so now almost all of my body of work is built around audience centric content, because that low grade was like a scarlet letter on my chest, like a scarlet letter for me. (laughs) And then I've just kind of fought hard to become what I become.
0: You mentioned it there in that answer. And one of the notes that I had was talking about some of the work that you did for the Harvard Business Review on delivering a persuasive presentation. So if you'll permit me, I'll ask this question as kind of a two-parter. What do most people get wrong when it comes to presentations? And what can we do to give more persuasive presentations?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I want to do a plug. My HBR guide for persuasive presentations is one of their number one selling books, which is kind of fun. What people get wrong is not leading with empathy. They are, you know, sometimes when we're asked to present or we have to present, we're loaded with information that we're trying to like broadcast and just get it out of me, get it out of me. And and so we stay very focused on what I need them to learn instead of how do they learn instead of how are they going to receive this information? Can I frame this a little differently? So it's more digestible to them. Like we don't spend enough time empathetically thinking about their audience. And I would say that's what they get wrong the most. At Duarte, we have a model. It's called the Duarte method, and it kind of encapsulates that and it, it encapsulates all the bodies of work. So picture a uh, three circles in a Venn diagram. They're over, all three are overlapping. And in the very center of the Venn diagram, where all the circles overlap is empathy, which was the first part. And then one of the circles is story. One of the circles is visualize, and one of the circles is deliver. So it's kind of three parts to any of your communication. So under story, it's all about how you structure your content, how you tell stories, and how you connect people to your content. Visualize, I didn't put slides or graphics or design there. It's like one time we helped a head of a multinational in India. Like He was like, I want five slides. I'm approaching the CEO for budget. Well, we didn't Make slides from you. You want slides between you and the CEO. We taught him how to grab a piece of paper and draw three different graphics on a piece of paper and ask for a hundred million, and he got us hundred million. So it's visualize and then deliver. Is it stand and deliver? Is it virtual? Is it that you can just send a slide doc ahead of time? Like the delivery of it, you got to think through how does this person process information and how do I deliver it to them in the way that'll be most effective? So it's slides, visuals, delivery with empathy square in the middle. And that is how to be the most effective at persuading.
0: So we've talked a little bit about the work that you do to help others lead. You're obviously the leader of an organization. What do you think has made you successful personally as a leader?
1: I think I'm passionate. I think I'm solving a problem that is big like big, if the world were stronger communicators, (laughs) I think there would be no wars, there would be no famine, there would be, you know, I think it could solve a lot, a lot of the world's problems. So I think having a big, big arena to play in gives me a lot of passion and bravery to in my lifetime, do as much to solve it as possible. I think there's moments that made me the leader I am today. Most recent one, I would say, we've been doing a lot of psychometrics at my Mm. shop a lot And so, you know, we use SDI, we use DISC, and now we're going through layers of Enneagram. So the center bit that I called empathy, Duarte has a unique definition of empathy, which is know thyself, understand others, and then adapt to them. It's like empathy is those things. Like I, I can't be empathetic to you until I know who I am and how distant or alike I am to you. And so the know yourself. That's why we now are creating an assessment for the learning course. It's about know thyself. (laughs) And so I think what the Enneagram did for me and the deep reports now you can get from that tool is it felt a lot like having my sins laid bare before me. (laughs) Like my sinful nature about how I naturally show up that really needs to change. Hmm. And it was really good and what it did for me is it helped me create my first ever really rich personal development plan, how I show up, how I make others feel, you know, how I'm perceived. And it was just really healthy from as hard. Like they say, if you get your first Enneagram test and you don't cry, that means, wow, you're not very open to change or you don't really understand yourself. And so it was really healthy. It was a super good moment for me. And then I have an Enneagram coach and my HR department is masterful, almost magical at coaching you through transforming yourself and changing how you show up to be more effective.
0: One question that we get from a lot of listeners is about goal setting. So how do you think about goal setting either as an organization or as an individual?
1: I've set goals since I was little, like watching how my mom showed up. I set a goal, which we reconciled. We don't have unforgiveness or anything with my mom, but I knew by observing her life, if I set goals that looked the opposite of her that things would be better. Like, I just knew that, oh, if this is what it looks to show up like that, if I show up like this, I set goals to be different, you know? And so even from the first day my husband and I were married, we set a goal every year. When the business started, we set goals every year. When we first started the business, it would be one goal. Let's buy a faster printer, right? (laughs) Because, you know, this is the 80s. And so we've always set goals. We have a big vision meeting we do every January where we kick it off. We don't just kick off the new vision and the goals, but we immerse people in the concept of what these goals are and how do we immerse the people in it so they buy off on it so we get traction all year. So. I believe in the setting of goals because businesses have objectives. We have objectives to transform how a million people communicate. Well, that's going to take milestones and goals to get there.
0: As a final question before shifting to our rapid fire questions that I ask all guests, what's been your biggest struggle as a leader?
1: Wow, that's a good question. You know, I think it's the, you know, what happens is the byproduct when I don't. You know, show up when I stay in my normal sense, like this the ability to not adapt quickly. I just feel like I'm putting that tool in my tool belt and I'm starting to recognize, like, I remember this moment during COVID where it was dark. Like it was close to the time we're in California. I don't know if you knew it, but the sky turned orange and red. I mean, Mm -hmm. it felt like, oh my God, what's happening? Because there was horrible wildfires. And I had been, it was in that kind of (laughs) time frame. I'd been on the veranda kind of dreaming about the goals, what the company could become when we emerged from this. So I had this energy of like creative energy. I was amped. I was excited. And then I was coming in to join a zoom call to kind of like buoy the employees, like, you know, and it was going to, I couldn't show up like animated, you know, over the moon. And it was good because now I know myself well enough to recognize who am I about to talk to? How do I adjust my energy? How do I make sure I'm showing up? And I, you know, I'm better at it. I haven't always been good at that at all. So I, I feel like I'm I'm in a, I wish I learned what I'm kind of learning right now about 30 years ago, (laughs) but it's a journey.
0: Well, that is a wonderful spot. That comment about a journey is a wonderful spot to shift to our final two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And the first question is this, if you could describe your leadership style, but I just gave you one word, what would that one word be?
1: Passionate.
0: (laughs) And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received?
1: I think it would be, hey, Nancy, take this listening course the company made. (laughs) And when I took it, I changed how I listen, which I changed how I listen so much, Matthew, that for Christmas last year, my son gave me a one hour long conversation every Sunday. And sometimes it goes two and three hours long. So he's an introvert. And because I always showed up to advance and I'm like, oh, I can connect you and I can do this for you. And I, you know, it's changed my relationship with my son. So I think, and at work, you know, so I'm seeing probably the most fruit from that. And I, I'd say that's been it.
0: Well, that's a wonderful answer to close us out with. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find out more about you?
1: Hey, at uh, duarte.com on LinkedIn. I do connect to everyone who connects to me on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at Nancy Duarte. And I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, actually, so that you can see you know, put are my thoughts up there too.
0: That's great. Well, thank you for all of the wonderful insight. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Ability Sims. And you can find our organization at Ability.com. I want to thank Nancy again for joining us on this episode. And of course, I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.
1: This podcast is produced by Ability, a leading provider of award-winning leadership development. You can find us at www.Ability.com or by searching for Ability Leadership Development. Make sure to also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini-MBA, The Invited MBA, a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. Find more information at www.invitedmba.com. Finally, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. We wanna thank you all for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.